Welcome to History 21, the podcast, a production of the Anoka County Historical Society, sharing the stories and audio journeys from our county's past and present. Hello, history friends. The summer is moving forward so quickly. It's already 4th of July weekend. People have so many family traditions and get-togethers around this time. It's really busy. But I have a little bit of a confession. I've never understood the appeal of fireworks. I don't get it. Once you see one go boom, and you go, ah, it's the same thing over and over again for the next hour. Are you supposed to be surprised each time that it looks exactly the same? (laughs) So fireworks are not for me on this holiday. Uh, I do enjoy grilling on my charcoal grill, though. I can get behind that. It's delicious, anything revolving around food. I'm always behind that at a get-together. Family has been a surprising connecting point over the past two years as we've been working on the federal cartridge collection here at the museum. There are many times that the same family name comes up or people tell us about multiple generations of their family that have worked in the plant over the years. In the first full employee picture that they took in 1925, there are two different sets of sisters, a sibling set of three that includes two sisters and a brother, and a father and his two sons, all working there at the same time. It was the start of having this family history in the company and not just the business history of Federal Cartridge. So in trying to capture some of that, we've been working on including oral histories with current federal employees to the collection. A lot of times what gets saved in an archive are the bigwig letters, the top brass letters, payroll documentation, the blueprints, publications. But what about the worker making it all happen, making the machines run? What is it actually like to be inside the plant? That is an important part of the history as well. Our interviewer, Bukla, had the opportunity to sit down with Josh Ham and talk about what it's like working at Federal, even the smells and sounds, and his family's history there. So let's dive in. Thank you so much for joining us today for this interview. Not a problem at all. Could you please... Tell us your name. I am Joshua Ham. Spelled with two M's for anybody who cares. Uh, no relation to the brewers that I hear live in the state somewhere, unfortunately. <laughs> Thanks. I'm um, How would you describe your experience at Fedra? My experience at Federal, to me, it, it's more of a community than the actual community because I'm more of a shut-in person once I leave the workplace and I don't like to leave my house too often. So it, going to work is my Uh, getting out of the house basically it's my way to get out and interact with other people and 
actually being able to communicate with others about the goings on around not only just the area, but like anything to do with like the government or anything. What exactly is it that makes you feel good about the work? It's definitely the communication aspect of work that I like a lot. I mean, sure, I, I like the machines. I like being able to say, hey, I can run this machine. I can run this machine. And knowing how to do it and knowing that I have that knowledge and I'm able to pass it on in case anybody else needs help. Hmm. So about how many machines do you run at Fedor? I run one assembly lines worth of machines in the shop shell department. Now that assembly line is about, let's see, one, two, three, four, it's about five, maybe six different machines that are all tied in together into one line and they all function as one big group. So you can either classify it as uh, six separate machines or like what we do is we'll just, we just call it one cell. So I, I work on a loader and that one loader is that six different machines all together as one. And my job is to keep that machine running and if it ever goes down for whatever reason, if it's jammed up or if I have to adjust anything, it's my job to make sure that that machine stays running as much as I can and producing good quality material so that it can get shipped out to our customers in the stores and they won't have any issues with it when they go and shoot it themselves. Thanks. And how long have you been working at Fedor? Currently, I have been working at Federal for just over one year. I'm about three weeks into my second year, and maybe it's four weeks, four weeks from now, I think. How would you um, describe your salary at Federal? Would you say it's uh, a salary that you are satisfied with compared to other jobs you've done? Well, my salary, I mean, it's, it's been a long time since my grandfather was there. And the salaries were very different back when he was working. Uh, federal pays their workers very well. And, and that makes me happy because I know that I have a secure job with good pay and good benefits. And it's, compared to some of my older jobs, I, I was extremely happy when I got in at Federal because in my previous position, I had already capped out. There was very little chance I was gonna get any major raises. Um, and, and as soon as I went to federal, I'm doing basically the same thing on a different style of machine, but I'm making three, four dollars more than I would have in the next 15 years at my last position. And um, right now we have the world pandemic going on. Mm -hmm. And would you um, be able to describe how that has affected your work in one way or another? So when I started at Federal one year ago, I 
was coming in right at the start of the pandemic. And I was coming in at the point where they were starting to enforce a lot of the, I, I, I want to call them the health safety laws, like wear masks. Uh, if you're feeling sick, don't go to work, uh, get yourself tested, all that jazz. It was, even with all of the precautions taken, uh, federal was such a communication environment. I mean, you're going to get people that are sick. They have lives outside of work. They could go and get ill. But in the pandemic, it, it didn't really affect the working situation too much. There was great pushes at federal just after I started to make sure that we were all wearing masks. They they set down the they, they put their foot down. Management had and said, "Hey, we're going to do all this. We're going to comply with all these things." We're going to wear our masks. We're going to do everything we can so that people don't get sick. And I really like the fact that they emphasized it whenever they could that, hey, we're doing this not because we want to, but because we don't want you guys to get sick. We want to be able to stay open so that we can provide you your salaries. We can keep producing the product that people want and we can still give people what they need to carry on with their lives. So um, I would like you to describe the campus in terms of smell. What does it smell like when you are there working in terms of even when um, you go to lunch with your colleagues? How would you describe that environment? Smell, feel, you know. So, when I go into work in the mornings, I, I come in from a nice, I mean, it's, it's winter time now, I, I come in from nice, crisp, fresh air. And there is a, there's a distinct difference walking into the building. Uh, there are so many different chemicals and products that are in the building itself from so many different areas. but. It's not an unpleasant smell. It's something that I have gotten used to. Like within within a week, you just grow used to it. Um, it's not anything that I would attribute as bad. I mean, you work in any other sort of factory or shop, you're gonna walk into it. It's gonna have its own distinct aroma. Uh, a lot of it's gonna come from whatever they're working on. Uh, and so, when I walk in, I, the first thing I smell is I, I smell the powder. I smell the powder, not necessarily because it's floating everywhere and there's the chance for combustion, but just because it's got a very acrid aroma to it and you can really smell it when you walk in. And you might not know what it is at first, but when you start working around the powder needed for the shells in my department, you start to understand, it's like, hey, this is what I smell when I walk in the door. or Another thing that I smell is I, I smell the plastic. I smell the plastic being created for the shotgun shells because that's made it not too far away from my department. And so that smell can travel. And it's 
it's something not necessarily that I enjoy smelling in the morning when I wake up, but it's something I've grown used to. It's just like, it's like I, I breathe it in my first step through the door and it's like, all right, now it's time to get down to work. That's kind of your call to work. <laughs> <laughs> what about um, sounds? Now, the sounds are interesting. So, a lot of the machines are very noisy. Hearing protection is always a must when you walk into the building. If you're going to be in there for any length of time, it's, it's always required you wear hearing protection. And it's, you, you walk into the building and it's, it's almost like getting hit with a loud car speaker. You can sometimes hear cars going down the roads and they're drumming their bass noises. If, if you could get a, a general bass hum, that's kind of what it feels like when you walk through the door. It's not a bad feeling, but it is loud. And so the first thing you're doing when you walk in is put in your earplugs. And then it's just a solid rumble throughout the whole day. And you don't even really notice it. It just becomes a part of it. And, and with all the machines thumping and running, you don't even really take into account the, the extra noise until you get something extremely loud going on, which isn't necessarily a good thing because if it's something loud and sudden, it could involve problems with a machine or, or some such thing. And so it's it's really the noise, the that background hum of all the machines, you kind of start to tune it out and you, you look for those odd noises, especially when you're running a machine, you look for the odd noises that your machine doesn't normally make. And, and it just becomes second nature. It's like when my machine is having an issue, and it stops. I, I lose the noise of six different machines running. Like I was saying earlier, it's a six station machine. So I'm, when it stops or when it has an issue with its running, I can hear it. Even if I'm not right next to the one machine that, I'm, that is having the issue, I can hear it from 15 feet away because these machines, they're not quiet, but they're not, they're not overbearing either. They, they, they become a part of the natural background noise. And when something goes wrong, you can really feel it and you can really understand that, hey, something, I gotta turn around and see what shut off. So it's really, I think the sound is a very integral part of running a machine and, and running, especially in my area, where it's not overbearing. I, I use a lot of that extra sound to help me determine what has gone on or where I need to turn to to figure out what I need to look at. That is very interesting that um, the sound also contributes to helping you know that your machine is running well or it's having issues. So uh, more on, on your work. So talking about the products you make specifically, could you describe without giving away any company Secret stuff. So I run a loader for the shot shell department. And then this is the newer machines. And so what will happen is, is I'm giving, I'm being given an unloaded shotgun hull. So an empty case with a primer and just, just a case. And my position is to feed that through my machine and it will put in 
the powder and it'll put in the wads that pack it all in and then it'll fill it with the shot material. So uh, mostly I run steel shot, which is for any number of things. I don't do a lot of shooting myself, so I couldn't tell you exactly what it's used for, but I, I make a lot of the speed shock brand material. Um, and so my machine does all the steps. It will fill it with powder, load it with a wad, fill it with material. It'll put them fancy crimps on top of it so that everything stays packed in there and gives it all the pressure that it needs. And then it rolls it through and it'll print the hulls so that you get all them fancy lettering on the sides of the hulls. And then it'll load it into the cartons and it'll load it into the cases. And then those cases will get shipped directly to the stores. Wow. Mm -hmm. hmm. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it, it, it sounds like a lot, but once you're running it, it, it you, you get in the flow of it and you, you understand your machine and, it, and it's, it's not as complicated as it sounds. Hmm. So, you know, um, describing your machine and how it looks like it starts from the beginning even to packaging and then it goes up to the truck. So, how do you do quality control in that process? Or is it already built in that process? So, my machine's quality control is in many steps. So, in my main machine, which does a lot of the, the, the shell forming, there are many different detects designed to catch if there is a defective shell. And should those detects, or should a defective shell bypass one of those detects, there are detects further down in the line to catch any further issues. Say, say I have a shell where the crimp isn't perfect and I have shot leaking out of the top of it, that shell, if it makes it through to the next set of machines, will cause a jam. And so I will have to unjam that shell, pull out the bad one, and continue on. And so if it makes it through everything all the way towards the end, there is quality control towards the end that is looking at the ends of the shells to make sure that the primer and the crimp are the way they should be. And then the rest of the quality control actually just falls on me. It's my job to make sure that as I'm keeping this machine running, I come on and I pick samples off the line every, every so often and I inspect them for any defects, any issues that might be a, a problem that I need to fix at the front of the line so that they can go into the packaging with no issues. Now, I'm not the only one that does this. The ballistics department at Federal also comes along and takes samples because their job is to make sure that the pressures and velocities that are required for our specific loads are what they should be. And they also inspect our quality of shell. So if there's something wrong with the print mat that I'm using to print the fancy lettering on the shelves, they'll call it out. And if I haven't noticed it, they'll point it out to me and I will have to replace that print mat. Or 
if they catch something where the shell does not profile correctly, and by profile we have gauges, the shells are supposed to fit inside of these gauges with little to no resistance. If the shells don't profile correctly, that's on me to start figuring out why and adjust the machine to allow the shell to profile while still keeping all the other things controlled and in check. The centennial anniversary is coming up. Are you happen to be at Pedro at that time that is... I, um, <laughs> I am absolutely ecstatic to be at Pedro for the centennial anniversary. I am going to be taking my grandfather for a tour through the company because the company is going to shut down for a day and actually let all the former employees that used to work there and their families or, or the families of the employees that are working there now, they're going to let them come in and take a tour of the factory and say, hey, this is what we're doing. These are the machines that I'm running on. This is what the layout of the building is now compared to what it was 30 years ago, 40 years ago. And I can't wait to get my grandfather in there for the centennial and walk around with him and listen to him tell the stories of the way it was laid out when he was there or how it's still the same, even though it's been so long. And it, it's going to be nice to be able to bring him in and meet some of the people who are still there today that know him. That's really nice. And uh, what other thing would you like to share that I didn't ask? In my opinion, Federal is a community in and of itself, but it's a community inside of a community. It's, it's the Federal community inside the Anoka community. And it, it, they, they pass back and forth to each other, and it's nice to be able to have that. They're very good at communicating both up the management chain and down the management chain, what's going on and what needs to happen or what could potentially be happening in the future. And then they take great pains to make sure that the employees themselves know what's happening in the company at large. And, and it's very nice to, be, to say, hey, uh, it's not now, but maybe six or eight months from now, we're getting you guys a new machine because you need it. And it's not that we don't want to get it to you now. It's that we're, we're planning on bringing it in. It's a big machine and it's going to take time. And it's nice to know that they're planning that ahead of schedule. And they've communicated that to us without having to worry about, oh, now we have a new machine and somebody's going to have to learn how to run it. And I wish I would have known that six months ago. <laughs> if I may, sure. um, I'm curious, because of the 100th anniversary, I'm curious in your imagination what it's like to be working at the same campus that the original crew did 100 years ago. What does that feel like? Oh... It's nice to know that the company itself has been such a consistent pillar that there 
it has managed to last a full 100 years. There are not very many companies that can say that they've lasted a hundred years in the same exact location that they started in. And it's very nice to be able to walk through some of the buildings and realize it's like, hey, that, that brick there that makes up that wall was laid down a hundred years ago. And sure, there's been maintenance to make sure that the building doesn't fall apart, but that brick is the same brick from a hundred years ago. And I, I, I look at it, it looks different from say the brick behind me right here. It's, it's nice to see the visual indications of some of the history just wandering through the building. No, I agree. We've been working on the collection for the last couple of years, all the papers and feeling the same papers and reading the same papers and the, some of the like, payroll documents and things like that. So I know there's machines that you probably don't work on, but they, you know, they're in the other section of the factory. There's still World War II era yep. machines or the, the paper shop shell machines. You know, I, what does it feel to potentially be at the beginning of another apprenticeship that you, know, you would be taking a legacy forward maybe another 40 years yeah it uh it feels really good i i like the possibility that in another 40 years or so maybe my sons or daughters could get into the company and maybe i wouldn't be trading them but they would be enjoying the same type of community that i am now and they would be able to understand that this is just like having a bigger family. And it's very nice that I could bring that forward for anybody who wants to join it. You said you have other family members that work there too besides your grandfather, right? Yeah, so from my understanding, my mother used to work there as well. I think my, my uncle did used to work there uh, he passed away a week before I started. It was nice to know that not only did my grandfather work there, but his father worked there before. I never, I never met him. My great great grandfather. Uh, he had passed well before I was born. Uh, my grandfather's name is Larry Lundley. And how about your great great grandfather? I honestly don't know his name. Oh. I honestly don't know my great-great-grandfather's name. I have never met him. I don't know much about him. I know that he used to work at Federal, and my mother used to adore him. And that was about all I knew of him. Oh, I'm sure I won't hear the end of it when I tell my mom that I said I didn't remember my great-great-grandfather. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure she'll make me sit down and we'll have a talk. But, no, it's, it's a very interesting thing to realize that so many generations of my family specifically have been in and around that building for so many years. And, and I am now walking in the same places that a person, like I said, I've never met. I, I'm walking in some of the same buildings. I'm walking some of the same hallways that my great, great grandfather used to walk. And even though I've never met him, it's a connection that I have with him now that I didn't have before, and it's very nice.
it's nice to know that in some small way I'm still tied to them even though I'm not really remember. Read all about it in the Noka County Library Minute. Hi, my name is Diana Nurberg and I'm a librarian for Anoka County Library. The following resources are related to the latest History 21 episode about federal cartridge. Check out these and more great resources during the next visit to the library. First we have Then and Now, One Man's Lifetime of Astounding Change by Alton G. Chuck Drury. Drury tells the tale of how he went from rural Montana during the Depression to working for a variety of large companies, including Federal Cartridge, before forming a company himself. Readers can get a good sense of how technology and factory life has changed throughout the years by reading about his own experiences. Next on the list is Mastering Sporting Clays by Don Curry. Federal Cartridge had its own gun club where trap shooting leagues could perform. If you have interest in the sport of trap shooting, check out this book, which will guide everyone from novice recreationalists to avid competitors. Next, we have Minnesota Goes to War, The Home Front During World War II by Dave Kenny. Read about the myriad ways in which the state of Minnesota contributed to the war efforts, including how Federal Cartridge as a company made contributions. With the opening of its Twin Cities Ordnance Plant, Federal was able to contribute 50 times more ammunition than originally contracted for. Additionally, first-hand experiences are detailed so readers can get a more humanized account of the times. We hope you enjoyed this latest list of library resources to explore. Until next time, happy learning! Get those library cards and reserve your copy today. Direct links to these books and more can be found in the episode show notes at anocacountyhistory.org. Now we are almost at the finish line for our work with the Federal Cartridge Collection. We had the honor to meet so many employees at the Centennial Employee Celebration this past month, enjoying the beautiful weather outside, uh, plus the grand opening of our exhibit about the 100 years of this company is July 9th, which coincides with Riverfest here in Anoka, and also our second annual yard sale in front of the History Center. You do not want to miss either of those things. Come on by the museum. We look forward to seeing all of you in person. In the exhibit, we are showcasing the people who have worked there over the past 100 years. To go with it, there will be an exhibit companion book. You don't want to miss that. Uh, my favorite little piece that we found, and we just had to include it in the exhibit, is a poem written in, during World War II all about the biddies or women working at the plant during that time. Um, a different view of the like rosy riveter type for our own federal cartridge. And it just, it makes me smile and laugh at the hilarity. I'm not going to spoil it here. You have to come see it. Uh, and then maybe we'll, we'll post it on our social media a little bit later. Thank you so much for coming on this journey with us and helping us tell the story of Anoka County history and this piece of it. We will see you next time for something completely different. Bye, all If you have a question, want to visit our show notes page for each episode, or would like to share your own story, go to anokacountyhistory.org. Help History 21, the podcast, reach more ears by subscribing and reviewing on your podcast provider. We're all over social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for all those who scroll by. 
and for our Vault members, you can find special access to podcast extras as well as the latest digital resources at History 21 The Vault, located on our website. Remember, the present is the past of the future.